The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of the Heat Check, let's break down the finals, shall we? Golden State versus... Boston Celtics. Where are the mismatches? How do these two teams compare and contrast? Who has the final long, slow edge? Will Rob Williams be able to play in this this series? And will Steph win the illustrious finals MVP? Something around we're not talking about that part. <laughs> Let's dig into it, Brock. Go ahead and drop that part. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Every time at the same time. Yeah, she is. I mean, she's on a schedule. We got a cleaning lady here just to let you guys in on the background of all this. Every time when I record, we have a cleaning lady that I always get nervous she's going to come into the studio when we're recording because that's how my anxiety works. So I'm like, oh, 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 come in here. And she never does. 30 teams start the NBA season and most of them fail. Most of them fail at the goal that they are trying to achieve, except for Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> they, they have completed their mission, I tell you what. Um, probably five to six teams out of those teams have real championship aspirations. I'm not talking about fan bases. Like, Laker fans have title hopes every single year. But we knew, real people within the Lakers organization knew, titles are not coming this year. No matter how trash... They are, there's a sobering feeling within the actual organizations themselves. I'm talking about discussions in preseason. I'm talking about locker rooms. I'm talking about breaking down film, talks between players, free agency, coaching changes. Like, there are people who know, like, starting of the season, after summer league, after summer uh, training camp, they know, like, we've kind of got something. 
we might mess around and really do something here. This year, I think it was the Bucks, the Suns, the Nets, the Heat. For them, the Warriors and the Sixers. I don't think anyone, including Dallas, in the preseason believed they could end up going to the Western Conference Finals. I don't think they thought we're in the conversation for a chip. They hadn't even gotten out of the first round with Luka yet. And with the first-year head coach in Boston, there is a reason this team was 40-1 to to win it all before the season began, right? So now we have our final set. On one side, we have the Warriors, who have recaptured what a lot of people, especially their annoying fan base, predicted. Um, They got fully healthy, and they got back to their greatness. I almost just threw up my mouth. And the other, a mediocre team that make no sense. Uh, The roster was janky as fuck. Didn't think it would work ever. A team that many felt needed to be uh, broken up for parts. A team built for disappointment. And in fact, they did disappoint for most of the season. They came together, though, and became the most dominant team in the Eastern Conference for most of the second half of the season. So pretty big turnaround, as we said in last episode. A tale of two teams, one desperately trying to recapture the old glory like a college quarterback coming back from injury. Will Rico Jameson return back? I just made that name up. Return back for Blue Mountain State. Great show. To show their fans we are not delusional, our championship aspirations are real. We went into the luxury tax for a reason. This banners. And the other, an angry, cantankerous fan base with the most amount of banners under their belt. But we haven't seen one since the KG era, and it was only one. They act like they've won four titles since the ABA, more than four titles since the ABA-NBA merger, but they have not. Secretly, they know it's hard to win a chip in this era. So I think we got a, we got a dogfight on our hands, folks. We got Boston versus Golden State. We got Tatum versus Steph. And I'm going to say something very uh, sounding hyperbolic. This is a generational defense, a generational defense versus a transformational offense that changed the game of basketball and how it's played forever. So you're going to say, Tristan, do not be hyperbolic. The Celtics have good defense, but generational defense? I'm not being hyperbolic, folks. Like, this is the most interesting part of a chess match for a reason. Celtics defense versus the Warriors offense, this is where it clashes. This is where the shit goes down. In those trenches is where the series will get won. I promise you. So, let's bring it on. Let's bring it on, folks. Let's take a look at both teams, talk a little about them, and what it's going to take for them to win the title. Let's start with Boston. When you talk Celtics, you're talking about their defense. Of course you know you've got Tatum. Of course you know you've got Brown. They've been able to get buckets on ISO forever, and it hasn't worked. They're, they're changed their off, they're, they've changed their, their roster around lockdown, smash mouth, smothering, switch everything, defense. Forbes Magazine, because I do a little reading myself, broke down their defensive run in the playoffs this year. Are you sitting down? Sit down if you're listening to this and you're standing up. Sit down. Ho, sit down. Because I nearly fell to the floor when I read this. 
Boston's half-court production doesn't just stack up well with great modern defenses. It actually is off the charts, ranking first in relative defensive rating since 2004. Through 18 playoff games, the Celtics have upheld opponents to just 86.8 points per 100 half-court possessions. Their run to the finals is not built on just great defense. It's built on historically great defense. 86.8 points per 100 half-court possessions. Are you serious? What? That's like 44 bu- 43 buckets. Excuse me? Holy shit. Better than the 2017 Warriors, folks. Yes. Who many consider to be the greatest team ever assembled. And they are a distant second defensively. Yes. Yes, it's true. In this playoffs, the Celtics swept the Nets, as as we know, despite the fact that Brooklyn shot 54.7% from two and 42.2% from three. How, Sway? How? How is that possible? Well, they make the Nets and made the Nets turn the ball over on 16.1% of their offensive possessions. Swipe, swipe. That's ours. We're running out in transition, getting buckets. How did they stop Giannis? Well, they, they almost didn't. But what they did do was they made the Bucks turn the ball over 14% of the time. Shitload. What about the Heat? Jimmy Butler, as we know, almost single-handedly ended the Celtics' run just based on his own greatness alone and some bad uh, decision-making by Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, which could be their Achilles heel, but we'll get to that in another time. How did the Celtics win? They made Miami turn the ball over 14% of the time. So, to recap the defensive pressure that this Boston team puts on star players, we are talking about Durant, Kyrie, Giannis, Drew, Butler, Tyler Hero, guys who are professional bucket getters who were turning the ball over like crazy. And what we also know about this opponent, I had to look this up, and it was shocking. We all know that what Golden State does well is this free-flowing motion Picasso-like, maybe even more like Jackson Pollock, just shit everywhere all the time, splashes. The thing that, the thing that is the Achilles heel of something so creative, something so chaotic, is turnovers. Lots of them. How many, you might ask? How does Golden State rank in the NBA in terms of turning the ball over? Are they, are they like bottom third? No, it's worse than that. Are they 22nd? No, it's worse than that. They're 29th, folks. 29th out of 30 at turning the ball over. Think to yourself, who would be the one team in the NBA that could turn the ball over more than the Golden State Warriors? Just tick, tock, tick, talk. You know it's Houston. You know it's Jalen Green. You know it's Kevin Porter Jr. He throws the ball around more erratically and chaotically than he does bowls of soup at his former teammates. That's what they do. Couple of young bloods just crisscrossing, trying to vibe out, getting buckets, turning the ball over like crazy. Golden State, back to them, they turned the ball over in the regular season 15 times per game. Uh Uh-uh, 
No, no, that shit's not going to work here, folks. No, no. So in some ways, this is a feather in Boston's cap, right? I think that's the one way, the one thing that they can see when they're in their little meetings right now. I don't want to mean to diminish it, but like they're in their little meetings right now and they've got to be looking at that like that's the thing we need to zero in on. That's what Memphis did really well. Got Golden State to turn the ball over, got out in a transition, got huge leads, and then tried to milk the clock out as much as possible for the rest of the game. Let's break down how their defense works and how they want to run it on somebody like Golden State because the challenges are immense. So the Celtics built their te- defense uh, in a way, according to Ime Udoka, in a way to, to like lull an offense to sleep just in time for them to say, okay, we're going to get this opposing team to be comfortable and complacent, and then as soon as they think that they've got us and our defense figured out, like, hmm, this isn't such a historic defense, then that's when they turn the beat around, folks. They turn the heat up. The flames start to pop up in their in their mouth. And that's, that's what Boston, I don't even know what that means. Boston will have to be extremely disciplined, though, on Golden State in order to do this because not only do they have – very specific defensive schemes, they're going to need to change those defensive schemes on Golden State like multiple times in one possession. You're talking about totally different mentalities on defense changing and a meshing in one possession just based on what Golden State does. That is a challenge. The communication is going to need to be there. The discipline is going to be needing to be there. And every single player, every role that you have, you need to be locked in on your assignment and how that assignment changes as Golden State does their Jackson Pollock thing. Because, like, when you are trying to defend Jackson Pollock, I mean, the shit's everywhere. It's everywhere. You've got this constant free motion offense, a million tiny little wrinkles inside, dribble handoffs, fake dribble handoffs, back cut, fake actions, shooters that pull up from anywhere. If you try to go underneath the screen, it's night-night, sleep mask for you. If you try to go over the screen, you're on their backside, they pull up like like somebody who's on the freeway tapping their brakes. You collide, now they're at the free throw line. Excuse me, this is a challenge. Even for a legendary defense, they're going to need to be locked in. The Warriors set what feel like constant screens. I watched an eight-second clip where there was three screens on the perimeter that looked like it was dumping off the ball to Draymond Green only to get Steph Curry free for a corner three. Just can't even notice how many they run. It's just boom, 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 boom. So what you need to do? is you need to either lull Golden State into this arrogance, that's what Memphis did, carelessness, recklessness, and then capitalize on those mistakes, whether that's their bad shot selection, which they have the propensity to do, because, again, they're vibing, they're creating, they're just painting out there. You know what I mean? And then also make them turn the ball over. Limit them also to just one possession. If they have those careless careless threes, bad shots, you cannot let Kavon Looney get an offensive rebound and then start the possession all over again. They got a new canvas, and now you're tired, and you're disheartened, and your ego's diminished, and you're like, God damn, I got to do this for 48 minutes? Sheesh. And then Chase Center's going crazy. Ah, Steph, MVP. You're like, I can't read the assignment. No, you get one possession. Get out in the transition. Run, run, run. And then on offense, 
when you get the ball back off of a make, be extremely slow, methodical. Like Just run your offense. Make sure you get a good shot. If not a good shot, probably a great shot. Make sure that those guys like Grant Williams and Derek White and Mar- especially Marcus Smart are locked in and know we're not taking bad shots tonight, folks, because that turns into 15 extra points for Golden State. Also, wear their best offensive players out. Wear Golden State's best offensive players out on defense. Be very physical. Try your damnedest from stopping them from getting out into transition and creating this deluge, a waterfall of threes. And I think the thing that's interesting for Boston offensively is that they're much bigger and stronger than Golden State is, right? That's not necessarily going to be a, a feather in their cap defensively because Golden State, I think, will have ways to mitigate that. But offensively, I think this is a strength for them. They should use their strength, their athleticism, their size to either pull up over smaller defenders like Jordan Poole and, and nullify him. Like you you need to figure out a way to dampen the Golden State offense by taking offensive players just completely off the floor. Like, if you can go at Jordan Poole and make him get into foul trouble, make him take bad shots out of frustration, make him basically unplayable, now you've got a guy who can put up 30 who's now on the fucking bench and another guy like Otto Porter who averages like four. Okay, so then now we're starting to play with, now we're cooking with gas. Now we're cooking with gas. So they should attack Poole as much as possible, the same way that they did Luka, and isolate him. Make Steve Kerr make hard decisions. Make him his ass play less minutes. Shane Young from Forbes broke down the biggest problem for Boston and why I think Golden State will win, which is just gross for me to say. This is what he wrote. Golden State's offensive flow, prowess, and pure intelligence are on vastly different levels than Milwaukee and Miami. The film session is now dedicated to a sharp shooting phenom, one that never gets tired, doesn't even need the ball to tear your defense to shreds, and already has 28 finals games under his belt. No other player, no other player has seen more defensive coverages than Steph Curry. Boston won't give him anything new to figure out, but they will be the most physical, aggressive, and switchable defense that he's ever faced in a series, and I think that's true. Much better team than any of those Cleveland Cavalier squads. Much better team than the Toronto Raptors, even with Kawhi Leonard. This is the problem that very few teams have solved. And Boston needs to figure this out uh, very quickly. Or this might be night-night before you know it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So to say that Golden State offers a problem to any defense is probably the understatement of the year. The team runs 11 deep, sometimes 12. Everybody knows their role. Gary Payton II is back. He's going to be big for them. Also, Andre Iguodala has basically had his entire body on ice all season for this moment. He doesn't need to play basketball anymore. He only wants to play in NBA Finals. That's it. That's it. That's it for him. 
Everyone knows this. They have superstar guys, and they have guys on the cusp of greatness. They have role players who have been shunned and discarded from Minnesota. They have rookies who are contributing. So depending on how you look at it, it's heaven. If you're a Warriors fan, you feel like you've got the future, the present, and the past all rolled up in one beautiful little team that plays beautiful game of basketball. Or it is a complete unmitigated disaster if you're the rest of the league wondering uh, whether this Golden State team is going to have another decade decade of prominence, right? If you're you Ime Udoka, I can't even imagine how you think about this. I'm trying. I'm not doing a great job, but I'm not a basketball coach. I think you just think about how Memphis did it and just try to find ways. Like Steven Adams changed the game for them, brought Kevon Looney in. I don't know what they're going to do for that. But the fact that Memphis held Golden State to an adjusted offensive rating of negative .7 is something that you need to get into the film room and dig into. They had an AOR, uh, adjusted offensive rating, of plus 10 or better against every other team this playoff run. Negative .7 against Memphis, plus 10 or better on offense against everyone else. That's the stat that the Warriors and Boston needs to watch. Like I said, the Warriors turn the ball over a ton in the regular season. But they've cut that down a lot in the playoffs. What Golden State now has going for them boils down to two big things. The first is they are 9-0 and at home in the playoffs. Wow. That's huge. From 2015 to 2019, they averaged six home losses per playoffs. This is that's stupid. That's stupid. Like they're better than they were in their reign. Why? How? I don't know. Second, the fourth quarter, as per usual, has belonged to Golden State. They have outscored their opponents by 25 points per 100 possessions in the fourth quarter. That's the best by any team in the playoffs in any quarter ever. Like ever. That means that they they're like, get up by 30. Get excited. Get excited. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter. Go up. Go up on us. 18, 20. All good. Steph Curry, you'll watch him. Just watch this. Keep this in your mind's eye when you watch this. There will be a game where Boston is up like 17, 19 points. And then they'll cut. They'll cut to the bench. And it'll be like it'll be like 1030 in the fourth quarter. And Mark Jackson or something will be like, well, well, Mike, I, I don't know. I, 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 we couldn't have seen this coming. And then as they're talking about how unprecedented this lead is for Boston, they'll show Steph Curry on the bench with a towel over his head and his little mouth guard chewing on it. And you're like, this little fucker is going to come back in in like two minutes. And it's night-night. And that's what they will do. They're a team, and Boston, as we know, when they get up, they can get complacent. Miami Heat came back multiple times. Milwaukee came back multiple times. If you get up on Golden State, I don't care if it's 30, keep your boots on their necks until it's whoop that trick time and you make Draymond, you know, put, flip the towel in the air. Because it's like, there's no insurmountable lead for this team. They are 4-3 and three when trailing after 3 and 6-4 and four when they fall behind by 10 or more. They should be 0-10 when they fall behind by 10 or more in the fourth quarter. But they are not. They are better than 500. No lead is safe. How about this? How about this? When they get a lead, 
are they four and six? No, they're eight and zero oh when they're leading after three quarters. So you better make sure they're not up after three quarters. They're doing this in the playoffs by their passes, as we know, the beautiful game of basketball that they play. 336 passes per 24 minutes. What a deluge. Confusing, annoying, frustrating, tiring. And player movements, of course, 11.3 miles traveled per 24 minutes. Both second in the NBA. They've also led all playoff teams in assist percentage. It's going to be a challenge, folks. All these little stats, all these little nuggets, it doesn't look good for Boston. This is also Golden, this is Golden State's series to lose for all those reasons, in my opinion. I think that, that Boston poses uh, problems for Bo- Golden State, but I think Golden State poses a lot bigger problems for Boston. I'm not saying that Boston can't win because I think Memphis could have beaten Golden State. They certainly didn't want to go back to Memphis in Game 7. And who knows what would have happened if John Moran wouldn't have gotten injured. But, like, if ifs and nuts or candies and nuts, it'd all be Christmas morning or whatever the saying is. So Boston's going to need to win in the Bay in order to make this thing happen, and that is going to be very, very hard to do. Finally, let's talk a little bit about X-Factors for both teams, which is which means ancillary pieces, peripheral pieces, not star players, not key role players, but ancillary players that need to step up and who that could be. For Boston, I think that's Derek White. Derek White's a very pesky perimeter defender. He's like Marcus Smart. He knows Ime Udoka's system like the back of his hand because he came from San Antonio, and that's the same San Antonio uh, scheme that Ime Udoka is running. He's going to be really, really big in terms of hitting corner threes, hitting uh, three-pointers at the top as well. If you're open, Derek, shoot. Like Be confident. They're going to sag. Golden State is going to sag off of, quote-unquote, lower shooter percentage guys like let the scrub shoot Grant Williams Derek White Derek White's going to need to hit a bunch of them in order for that to change how Golden State plays their defense he's a very very smart player at understanding angles he's going to be able to cut Steph off instead of chasing Steph around he's going to be able to like almost cut the corner and stop the the ball from coming into Steph's hands bumping players off their spots and if Derek White can hit those shots I think that's going to be a really huge factor there that's how Dallas won game four by the way Open shooters in the corner who hit him. Night-night. For Golden State, I, I think we've already seen Andrew Wiggins emerge as a key role player. So for me, I think this series will hinge on this ancillary player, Kevon Looney. If Kevon Looney gets 15, 16, 17 boards a game, there's just there's, that's it. That's, that's the key stat for me because... He's a 6'11", small five, who has basically played himself out of the beginning of the playoffs. They brought him back in solely because Steven Adams was playing really well. And now he has reemerged as a key cog in this system. He can play good defense. And whether he can be solid on switches or he's not getting cooked by Tatum and Brown, that's going to be huge. That will be the key stat for me to watch is how Kevon Looney gets rebounds, offensive rebounds specifically, because Golden State getting extra possessions means nothing good for Boston. Conclusion, Boston, make it a rock fight. Just make it a rock fight. Make it ugly, force 
Golden State to turn the ball over a ton. If you can get them to turn the ball over 15, 16, 17 times a game, you're going to go up early, and you might be able to deflate some of the guys that are younger, like Jordan Poole's confidence. Like, Think of it like this. Think of it like this. This is an analogy. So imagine you're a chick on, on The Bachelor, and you're going on a group date, right? And you're on the date, and the other girl is Miss Universe, right? You're never going to be able to miss you out Miss Universe, Miss Universe. You're never going to be more beautiful than Miss Universe. So don't go anywhere where she can be in a bathing suit or where she dresses up in a cocktail dress. You're never winning that date. You need to go somewhere where you're sweaty, where you're using your brain, where you're dirty. Maybe she breaks a nail. Maybe she exposes her lack of intellect. That's, that's what you need to do. You're uglier. They're never going to be as good as playing as Golden State at playing the beautiful game. So they need to make things as ugly as humanly possible. That's how you put yourself on even footing with them. Boston can't let it happen. Golden State, just don't try. Don't turn the ball over. Really? That's it. If you can turn the ball over t- less than 10 times a game, that's going to be it. That's going to be really it for you. Keep the ball moving. Offense moving. Motion. Try to limit Jordan Poole's minutes. Try to figure out a way to hide Jordan Poole when he's in the game. Like when it's called, they call it pool party. Like make it pool. Make it. Make it pool conference. Like, make it more business-like. You know what I mean? Like, when we talk about the pool party, it's a little too hectic for me. Like, it's a little too Vegas, summertime, too many drinks, too much bad shit happens when it's the pool party. Make it more like a pool business meeting. You know what I'm saying? Like, just kind of, like, make it more something that I can rely on Jordan Poole to operate effectively on the offense and defensive end. Try to get a lot of good production out of Clay and Wiggins so you don't need Poole's offense. You can just, like, maybe put his ass on the bench. No pool party time for me. Keep bigger defenders on the floor to help out. My prediction? (sighs) Warriors in six. Warriors in six. I think the Warriors will be up 3-1 after four. I think they'll close it out. In Boston, actually, which would be sad because Chase fans, they won't get a ring there. Maybe Warriors in five, actually. Feels like it's happening at Chase. Feels like it's happening at Chase for me. That's the only way for the legacy. And I think Steph does. I think Steph does get his first finals MVP. Also, very quickly, the Draymond Kevin Durant thing. Look it up. So funny. Draymond Green basically said that Steph Curry got seven times more double teams than Kevin Durant did when they played on the team together. Kevin Durant then went on, which is what he does, go on Twitter, quote tweet it, and say, in my opinion, this is absolutely false. Steph did not get seven times more double teams than me. Uh, That's wrong. So legacy, (laughs) legacy versus legacy. A lot of unfortunate Situations where very elite, skilled players, some of the best to ever do it, have to feel some level of insecurity where they need to defend their quote-unquote legacy because random people on Twitter are dumb enough to believe that 
neither one of them is good enough to be in the top 10 of all time conversation, which is just absolutely bonkers in my opinion. But check that out. Go and find it. There's a million places where they discuss it and Steph Curry's legacies unaffected by not having a finals MVP in my in my opinion. And that's coming from someone who has said Steph Curry's not even a point guard. So there it is. That's all the time that we have for the heat check. We'll be back Monday with a new episode breaking down the first games of the NBA Finals. So follow us as we move forward to crowning the Golden State Warriors as champions. That's it. Do not forget to download, subscribe, tell all your friends, every single one of them, and follow us at This Heat Check and Trista Crick on TikTok. TikTok.